Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. You know right now that after that Jordan story, there are coaches in the SEC who are saying we need to bring our own pizza oven on the road. (laughs) Pete Thamel. All right, which college football program would have been most likely to have made this blunder slash genius decision. Liberty. (laughs) (laughs) And SI's Pat Forty. You know, Akron can't get ready for Kent State if they don't have the focus in the hotel room. Please. (laughs) My God. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Ah, welcome to the pod, gentlemen. Lots going on in college sports. We've got all sorts of stuff to discuss. We also have to do a a brief uh, obligation to the last dance, I guess. But first, we cannot go past the mayhem happening in the state of Kentucky, the Commonwealth of Kentucky, (laughs) because I don't want the Louisville fans to start screaming at me. What about, what about, what about? Oh, yeah. Oh, you pick on our our dance team and say our former coach had a dead body found in his house. (laughs) And what shot about himself Kentucky's in the leg. dance team? Oh. And sure enough, <laughs> uh, in a story that led to like 500 people tweeting it to us yeah. immediately <laughs> and, <laughs> and demanding an emergency pod. <laughs> Scandal rocks the Kentucky dance cheer team spirit squad. I don't know what this is. What is cheerleading this? team? I believe cheerleading I believe. team. Head coach and three assistants were all fired on Monday. <laughs> it's damn quarantine. It's like that, that, that line in, in uh, Friday. You got fired on your day off. <laughs> How the hell you get fired on this? Uh, apparently, the Kentucky uh, cheerleading team was doing some uh, off-site camps, bonding or something. I don't know. And... Uh, Things got out of hand repeatedly, <laughs> quote unquote, this is according to the Lexington Herald leader. Members of the squad reportedly performed basket tosses, a gymnastics routine that requires throwing a person in the air while either topless or bottomless <laughs> <laughs> within view of some coaches at a team reti- retreat at Lake Cumberland. Coaches failed to confiscate alcohol brought by the students. Ah, not good. <laughs> coaches allowed cheerleading alumni to bring boats and alcohol to the same retreat. So the old dudes started coming back. I bet they did. <laughs> it's like some 50-year-old guy down there used to be <laughs> careful. He's like, I got to go back to the alumni. Let's do the basket toss. Some squad members became so intoxicated they required medical treatment. A a separate cheerleading camp in Tennessee. Some members of the team were directed by others to perform lewd chants and wear outfits that did not include underwear. (laughs) There was no uh, evidence of sexual assault or sexual misconduct, which is why I'm laughing at this. Uh, Clearly, this is uh, not allowed uh, unbecoming of the University of Kentucky, and this kind of bullying should not be tolerated. Uh, I'm completely outraged. (laughs) Yes, we can tell. (laughs) Pat, can you guys get your... (laughs) together for a week the cheerleaders no. the wholesome 
role models on the sidelines of Rupp Arena and Kroger Field or whatever they call that thing. What are you doing? <laughs> At least no one models. died this week. At least Wholesome there's no dead models. body this week. Yeah, no, no dead body. No, nobody shot themselves in the leg while attending a function put on by the guy that fired said person. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, hey, again, for some reason, people take their cheerleading and dance squads extremely seriously in the state of Kentucky. And this is the latest outgrowth of it. This is big news. Now, maybe the fact there's no other news whatsoever <laughs> uh, in the sports <laughs> world. So cheerleading scandal becomes big scandal. Here we have the old the old bottomless basket toss. That's uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I will say, like all right, Lake Cumberland, where they were going for their retreat, stuff goes on at Lake Cumberland in the summer when they have the the houseboat parties and everything down there, and the the, the you know people pull into these uh, coves and uh, and things can get pretty pretty progressive, I guess you would say. And uh, <laughs> if you're taking the cheerleading team down there. Perhaps you are inviting trouble, and they seem to have found it in a basket catch. Good for them. Go Cats. <laughs> so I'm looking at uh, Kentucky's misfortune here. You know, for all the recruiting scandals Kentucky's had over the years, this one certainly ranks up there in, in just pure <laughs> entertainment. I really think for the sake of the pod now, we've had, I would think, six or seven weeks in a row where we have had some bizarre scandal in the state of Kentucky. This goes all the way back to the early pod days uh, when I had just joined Pat and Dan, and we, we started to give out the golden cheese grater for the uh, meth addict who broke into somebody's <laughs> house and stole their cheese grater. Um, and then, you know, when you really look at the litany of great Kentucky-based news of the weird, I think the pod should start getting sponsored by a local bourbon company. Could be Blanton's, could be Knob Creek, could be Maker's Mark. And we just have the Kentucky News of the Week. Like, well, you know. it's there is something guaranteed, <laughs> completely bizarre from the state of Kentucky every week. And I feel like you've come to expect this on the pod, and I feel like we can capitalize on this monetarily. Yeah, I mean, people talk about Florida, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's 21 million people live in Florida. There's only four and a half million living in Kentucky. Pound for pound. We got per capita weird as good as anybody. Right. Pound for pound. Yeah. It's like Manny Pacquiao back in the day. I mean, what is going on? The bottomless basket toss. Yeah. I mean, who didn't sit there and go, you know, that might get us fired. That's right. A bridge too far. They're just too big to fail, Dan, in Kentucky. Kentucky cheerleading, <laughs> too big to fail. Well, apparently. But uh, it is funny. I mean, like the number of Louisville fans that really wanted to bring this to our attention. So, <laughs> <laughs> we're not the only messed up spirit squad, baby. Go get them. I was I was struck by the fact that four coaches got fired. Not because it was four. It was because Kentucky cheerleading had four coaches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No kidding. Like, like some like division three basketball programs don't have four coaches. Yeah. Like they have an ops guy. They have quality control, a video guy too. Like did, did their analytics guy get fired? They too? got an analyst in charge of backflips. Yeah. He's probably in trouble. <laughs> this is, and this isn't even the dance team. This is just cheerleaders. Or are they both? Cause I, I always think, think there's a rivalry. I don't know. I don't know. But Seems that, like there's a rivalry between the dance team and the, you, you can see them on opposite sides. And, no, yeah. <laughs> One's a little more, you know, provocatively dressed than the other. I think there's some, there's some stuff, you know, I don't know. Could be, could be. Now that's the other thing is that the, the Kentucky cheerleading team, much like the Louisville dance team. And these are the two that have gotten in trouble. We're both these like, you know, won a gazillion national championships, but this is also the, you know, like college football used to be where there's like six different people giving out championship notifications or whatever but uh yeah that see again i think too big to fail just the the monster monolith that is kentucky cheerleading i think as we've we've had a lot of gentlemen's club talk lately i mean obviously if anything involves bottomless basket tosses there's gonna be a <laughs> lot of people willing to give out titles <laughs> i'll be a judge you got guys all over the pikeville sub-regional get them over here very prestigious me and my cousin Larry. <laughs> this week in college athletics, it never fails. It never, never fails. fails. What are you talking about? Co coronavirus is nothing to talk about. See, you remember, like we were so concerned in in like April, like we're not going to have anything to talk about. We have nah. too much every week. Yeah. We have too much. 
10 yeah. part ESPN doc on this. This scandal would rate very highly, <laughs> very well. Never before well. seen footage. It's like, it's yeah, if like you got the footage, might have to go off hazy of ESPN. Snapchat have to go. videos. Yeah. Eh, probably have to go HBO on that. Yeah, it's right. not higher. Yeah. Can't really get that on network TV. Mm -mm. All right. Uh, briefly on the last dance, because we did do all the other ones pretty much. They concluded it was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it's the greatest doc of all time, but no. it's, it was highly enjoyable. They got 10 hours out, which is a ton. Uh, I had three thoughts, maybe four, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. One is this whole idea that they were going to win title number seven. I just, that was just not happening. All right, first off, Dennis Rodman was done. Yeah. He was going to be 37. He was basically a functioning alcoholic drug addict at the time. I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but Jordan had to drag him out of bed one time on a vacation in the midseason. And then he skipped practice in the finals to do a WWE event. I forgot about that. One. So did I. That is unbelievable. It, I forgot. It was, that was awesome. huge. I was like, did that really happen? <laughs> that happened. No one knew where he was. And then he showed up on the broadcast. That's right. Yeah. Rep it, it was a secret, and then boom, there he was. Uh, after the after the 97-98 season, he played 35 games over two years. He was completely cooked. You were going to have to do this without Rodman. I know it was a short striking year, but that wasn't happening. So that is, I think, Jordan's delusion, and I wish they had pointed this out at the end. Two, we already got into the Pippen wanted money. He had signed those bad deals. He was getting paid, and he had just skipped half a season because he was so upset with the Bulls. Right. And got the surgery late. He was about to be 33. He had two surgeries. He had played a gazillion games. There was a lot of a lot of wear on those tires. And he would have had to take a one-year deal at 14 million as the max to stay in Chicago. Instead, he got five, five years, 67 million from Houston, cashed in, done. Was never really a, a truly great player again. Although he had some moments. And then it, the rest of the cast, so they had to convince Pippen to do something that he wasn't going to do. Rodman's done, and the rest of the team, it's the oldest team by average age to ever win the finals. Mm. Like, I think Reinsdorf was right. It just ended. Yeah. yeah. Good stat. And yeah. I thought they I thought they could have added that and and explained that Reinsdorf was right. Jordan's pie in the sky. I'll convince everyone. And I think Phil was like, I'm better off quitting on top, take a year off, and then lo and behold, the Lakers hire you, you, you know. You got Kobe and Shaq, and you win. You start cranking. So that team to beat the '99 Spurs, which you know, Carl Malone was really not very good in clutch games, but the Spurs sure were. Whole different ball game by '99. Even if they had gotten to the finals, they would have had to play the Spurs. I don't think they beat them. I don't even know if they get to the finals. So that's 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 the one thing I really wish was missing on uh, Sunday night. Otherwise, some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I I thought the whole thing was a lot of fun at a time when we needed some fun. You know, uh, it was not the most uh, unbiased, critical examination of Michael Jordan. And even upon examination, Michael Jordan is not the most deep, you know, uh, convicted soul in terms of matters beyond basketball. OK, fine with both counts. This was still I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to reminisce about one of the golden years of basketball to see the highlights to listen to Jordan's mindset kind of replay itself, uh, you know, which is just that he may not be a fascinating person beyond basketball, but in basketball, he's absolutely fascinating. And so I loved just kind of getting those glimpses of him and, and him looking back at, at those critical moments and seasons and all that. And the combination of characters, Phil Jackson, what a fascinating guy. The Steve Kerr stuff was really good. So I'm really glad it happened. It was, again, it's a, not necessarily groundbreaking, legendary documentary journalism or anything like that, but I sure enjoyed watching all of it. I really liked it, too. Um, the last two episodes, I thought, fell a little bit flat. Like, I can't believe we haven't brought up the pizza poisoning yet. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna get there. if there was ever like if there was ever just a total BS story, it's the <laughs> like it's the it's the pizza poisoning story. I mean, there is zero chance like I wouldn't even have like tried that on like a college professor. You know what I mean? <laughs> Never mind all of America like that was just uh, no thanks. Uh, hard pass on the uh, on the food poisoning. Let, story. Me, let me recap that in case you hadn't yeah. seen it. Jordan claims the night before the infamous flu game, he's got his uh, best friend assistant, quote unquote, and he's got Tim Grover in his room. They order pizza. 
because Jordan's hungry. Now, a couple things. Maybe they did. I, at one, one point, the Marriott refused to make a hamburger for Michael Jordan. Okay. <laughs> They're at the downtown Marriott in Salt yeah. Lake City. It's 10 o'clock. They go, room service, kitchen's closed. It's Michael freaking Jordan. <laughs> Can we get it? <laughs> Nobody from the Chicago Bulls could get Michael Jordan a hamburger. I, props to the jazz-loving downtown Marriotts. I mean, they did a they did a solid for the jazz that <laughs> night. Uh, I believe that story because if you've ever tried to order food at a Marriott after it's closing, it is truly yeah. impossible. Especially in bars always close at eleven too. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah, it's it's Salt Lake, but they order pizza from someplace. They can't find anyone to deliver any food. They get a pizza. Supposedly, five guys show up to deliver the pizza at the door. Couple questions. One. Why'd you order it under Michael Jordan's name? Like it's under you really ordered it under Jordan. Five guys showed up. How'd all five get through the security? To, you don't just walk up to Michael Jordan's door. Uh, lots of questions. The way that story is told, I don't buy it at all. I don't know if you guys buy it at all. I, he may have eaten pizza and gotten sick, but this idea that there was this nefarious poisoning by, yeah. by <laughs> why wouldn't you have come out with that? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you wait till now. You let a you let a pizza place poison Michael Jordan on I, purpose? Come I, on, that's a criminal act. I mean, I, I'm not I, buying that story. I can't at all. believe no, I can't believe that could have been kept secret for 22 years. And I still don't understand how, like, how uh, the security situation there. Maybe we're just we're in a more enhanced era now. But how do how do five guys get to Michael Jordan's door? You know, that's you would think they've got that that whole floor taken care of and you got his security guys at one end of the floor and the other. I mean, you know, I just don't see that happening. Whatever. Yeah, I America- felt bad for the poor like GA from the Salt Lake Tribune who had to just start calling pizza places <laughs> last night. It, you know, whatever. It's probably eight o'clock local time being yeah. like, did you deliver the Michael Jordan pizza? Did you deliver it? Because I don't think they're going to find one. I'd say yes. I'd say yes. Good pop. Yeah. Oh, you'd be heroes. Yeah. yeah I love the jazz. I'm a jazz yeah. fan. I've tried to, I mean, poison Michael Jordan. Yeah. That story. I, I hate how bad stories told through pseudo journalism uh, take wildfire these days. I mean, it's like that story's got so many problems to it. And it's like, yep, fact. And it's like, come on. There's the one last week where like some guy fought the cook at Waffle House seven times because oh, yeah. he wouldn't <laughs> yeah, make right. his eggs That's the right way. Trouble. One time yeah. he hard boiled them. The story is so yeah. it's so ridiculous. And yet yeah. it like gets put everywhere. There's a story. <laughs> here's a crazy story. That's not a yeah. true story. Yeah. Here's a made up story is what you mean. Made up yeah. story. And it's like, oh, huh, huh. it goes viral. Everyone's talking about it like it's real. Like, uh, OK. Like, you wonder how hard it is to f- fool this country into anything you want. Yeah. We're not smart people. Just <laughs> I, I want to point out, too, like Michael Jordan's divorce was not mentioned. Oh, hell no. In all this. And his, his kids wife are barely in it. Is, yeah, his kids were in it only so we couldn't say his kids weren't in it. I mean, they, uh, yeah. they offered like no insight on the most benign topic and they were gone. And I mean, that was a hundred hundreds of million dollar divorce it was contentious at the time and to not even i don't even think they showed a picture of his wife at any point no like that to me is like when when you're trying to portray this as any kind of definitive documentary now for basketball it could have been but there is you know there's a lot there's a lot more there the gambling the the lack the toe touch on the gambling stuff and the the lack of personal detail i mean there was no nightlife stuff there was never you know michael jordan would go out and get after it from all the stories I heard. So now whether he's doing it in Salt Lake or not during the finals, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because people want to call that the hangover game instead of the flu game. There is one really good point as we're learning a lot more about flus and uh, infectious diseases. Like if you had the flu, would you actually play in the NBA finals? What if you got the rest of your team sick? You know, um, yeah, I, you play Jordan. Yeah. yeah. And Jordan says, I'm playing. And you say, okay. He's the team. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Probably was not a virus. Can you get a virus from a pizza? Is no. it a flu a virus? No. No, yeah. I mean, you can get stomach food poison, st- food poisoning, stomach. You know, oh, I guess flu, he was whatever. saying it was food poison, not fu- I'm sorry. Yeah. My yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I think it was more likely he was sucking down cigars and Miller Lights playing cards. Yeah. Then five guys showed up with a poisoned pizza. <laughs> but uh, now maybe the pizza was bad. I'm not saying it couldn't have been, but it just wasn't that. That's not the story. 
I doubt. Highly I'd doubt. assume all pizza in Salt Lake City is bad, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Yes. They did do, they did 106 interviews for this. Like, it is amazing how, like, the kids are barely in it. Yeah. Uh, lots of people who sat for interviews weren't in it. Sonny Vaccaro told me he did two and a half hour interview. Really? And he's appears. completely wiped. Did they ever no, interview they Quinn Buckner, out? who kept showing up as in part of the inner sanctum? You know, he was around with Jordan in the back rooms all the time, and I don't think he ever got interviewed. Or if he uh, did, he, he certainly Clinton, never made them. They got Bill Clinton to sit, and he did yeah. that one skeptical story of he kind of insinuates that he knew Scotty, Scotty Pippen. Pippen at Central Arkansas. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you get it cannot be easy to get Bill Clinton to sit for an interview. This uh, any former president. Would yeah. be, I mean, oh, they used Obama more. I don't even know why Clinton was in it. Did he have any? He any, was president at the time. I guess he was president at the time. I don't know why he was there. And they mm -hmm. probably figured that out after they interviewed him. Yeah. But said, it's well, not he that hard, nothing, actually. Because if you're like, I'm doing Michael Jordan's authorized documentary, it's basically like Michael Jordan wants you to do the interview. So you're going to say yes. Yeah, that's true. But man, take some guts as an editor. Just be like, yeah, Clinton's out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still, he's still a former yeah. president. But to I your point, it's, it's, it's good to me, you know, about the complete lack of the wife. Like the wife of his security guard dude is in the film and yeah. Jordan's wife is not. It's like she never existed, period. I um, did like how they they made, you know, that the security guard was good. Jordan really yeah. liked the old. He liked yeah. the old heads, the old souls around him. Right. Um, a lot of very, very cool stuff. But mm -hmm. I also I could do a 10 part documentary on how he got his. um his license plates. I mean, his, <laughs> he's like, I, I, I was just hiding out. I didn't want to be noticed. Yeah, uh, you're right. driving a Ferrari that says air on the back <laughs> through the streets of Chicago. Right. Or whatever kind of car that was. I don't know. All of Porsche. his license plates Porsche. made it very clear that, that he was that's driving. Yeah, yeah. That's probably Michael Jordan with that $100,000 Porsche and the yeah. title air. He had a Ferrari, right, he had a Porsche, he had a Range Rover, and I'm not sure what the other one was. Yeah. It's good to be Michael. Yep. And then at the end, his the cigar he's smoking in the last scene is like like 18 inches. Like this is the <laughs> longest roll. I was like, like, how long does it take to smoke a cigar? Oh my gosh. It's dude. Uh -huh. All right. College football. Couple updates. Interesting stuff I saw. One is South Carolina, the University of South Carolina president Bob Castlin on Monday announced that the school canceled its fall break. And it's basically going to start on campus classes and run straight to Thanksgiving, and then they're done. It'll be online classes after Thanksgiving, and then final exams will be online. According to the state newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, the decision to return to virtual classrooms after Thanksgiving was made because university models show a spike in cases of COVID at the beginning of December, which will be the start of the traditional flu season. The public health risk associated with thousands of students and faculty returning to campus after days of traveling could jeopardize the continuation of the semester. So basically, they're obviously it's not a bubble, but they're trying to keep their kids from heading down to Florida, wherever. Going home, whatever. Yeah. They, they're kind of, right? Same's reasonable. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they get that in. That would be great. I think if that's if that's how college is in the fall and all the schools end after Thanksgiving and, and they do it this way, we are we are in tall cotton, man. Like that is that's probably a best case. But I found that pretty interesting that that's what they're I don't, you know, that's their plan, and they're announcing it early. Um, but I also think all the, again, we talked about last week, these schools are trying to get you to sign up and, and, and it's decision time on whether you're going to pop over that tuition check and these schools, um, are doing it. So if that is how we do it, and let's say this Bob, Bob Castlin and all the people at the university of South Carolina are correct. What does that mean for the college football season? Would you have bowl games if there's a spy i don't know like i just what what's your thoughts on this as the state of how the 2020 college football season would play out yeah i think this is really interesting and uh, jack swarbrick actually mentioned this to me last week and said that he thinks a lot of schools are going to do this and i i've heard several less acc schools are contemplating it i, th I think we're going to see more and more schools go this route it does make sense as you said dan academically public safety wise OK, you, you have 25, 30, 40,000 kids on a campus. 
You don't want them all to disperse for a week at a the beginning of flu and cold and vi- potentially virus season and then come back together from where they were and then disperse again. So you keep them in one place as long as you can and then you send them home for as long as you can and then you bring them back in the winter and maybe there's a vaccine and who knows. But I think it's really problematic from an athletic perspective. Here's the two things. First of all, I'm thinking of basketball first here. If the basketball season is supposed to start November 6th or whenever it usually does, are you going to play till Thanksgiving? And then are you going to keep playing? Are those kids going to stay on campus and grind out TV inventory at a time when everybody thinks that nobody should be on campus? That's going to be a pretty bad optics situation. Uh, From a football standpoint, you've got conference championship games in first weeks of December. That's those things fall into the same category of, eh, are we doing this or not? Same with the bowl games then. As you mentioned, you're, you're going to have two weeks of practice before a bowl game. When Are you really going to bring these kids back, bring a team back then at that point? Or to the football team, they just have to stay the whole time? I mean, there, there's some problems from an athletic standpoint with what could be a good academic slash public safety uh, solution. This is interesting. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I tweeted about that this morning, the article from uh, The State in South Carolina, and uh, got some feedback from some different folks on campuses. Uh, Creighton's doing the same thing. Marquette, I was told, is doing the same thing. San Diego, supposedly. University of San Diego doing the same thing. Wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame, like Pat said, and Boston College end up in the, in the same place. So those are, again, big national schools who have people in from all over, especially in cold weather climates. It really, it makes, uh, it makes a ton of sense. But here's where it could be interesting. Clemson plays South Carolina at Clemson November 28th. So say Clemson adopts this. Do you really send your students home and say, "Okay, this isn't safe for the students to be traveling, but still bring 80,000 people to your campus, to your football stadium for for a game like that's like some of the 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 decisions and the optics that need to be weighed. And again, by the time November comes, there's going to be a lot more clarity, like like we've said all along. We learn more and more each week. And, you know, who the heck who the heck knows what the environment's going to be like? There's, you know, Monday morning, there was some vaccine optimism that that showed up online and kind of engaged the stock market again. And I, I do think we're going to see fluctuations of that fits and starts of that. Um, you know, the possibility of a second wave, like obviously still looms. And I, I just I just think that it will be fascinating, like Pat said, with basketball season. You almost have to start basketball season with no fans and just keep the players there and, and grind out inventory was a great way to phrase it because that's what they'd be doing. They'd be going to the Bahamas to play in an empty gym to have like, so on Thanksgiving, you can watch a game at noon, two, four, six, etc. It is all going to look different. And I think college basketball should just say we're not starting until second semester. That way you avoid this stuff and then you just push it all back and then you have a better chance to have fans. You have a better chance that there's enough science to help you have an NCAA tournament. You are giving yourself time um, and you you can have policies in place. You can see what happens when they, when someone tests positive. You can see what doesn't work when people have to stop and start. Like there's just a lot to learn from Major League Baseball, from the NBA, from the NFL as uh, as we, as we go on here. Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're basically nine, ten weeks into t- starting to take this thing seriously, and we've learned an enormous amount in those ten weeks. You talked about the the vaccine optimism that got the market popping on Monday. You know, hopefully that is that is that is true. They said they could get a bigger uh, test case in August. And, you know, I mean, that those are the game changers that we don't know. And that's everyone's we've been saying it all along, flying blind and uh, opinions will change and they'll shift. I just found that one pretty interesting that I'm guessing that will be it. I would think with bowl games, bowl games are in trouble, I would think. Now, maybe not the Rose Bowl. You might sit there and say, hey, we're going to we're going to play for the Rose Bowl. Maybe we'll have limited practice of a week or something. And we'll fly out a day or two before. We're not doing one of these seven days of bowl trip. But how are you getting two schools to sit there and say, you want to go to the quick lane bowls in Detroit the day after Christmas? <laughs> like on a bowl game, you lose money on all of that. I I think we're going to have a 2020 season. I think it's going to start. I don't know how it finishes. I don't think it's going to look like the 2019 season, though. I, it's just but I found that that plan from South Carolina is pretty interesting because I'm guessing that'll be the be a basis for a lot of things. One other thing you talked about, the, the crowds. 
Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, was in 60 Minutes Sunday. He said a lot of things that also helped the market spike. I tend to listen to these types of people more than politicians of any kind because they're politicians. I don't really want to listen to them. But Powell was asked by Scott Pelley about fans in the stands. Now, they were kind of discussing business. So movie theaters, airlines, theme parks, all of the stuff. But obviously, sports is part of it. This is from Jerome Powell. The parts that involve people being in the same place, very close together, those parts of the economy will be challenged until people feel really safe again. Scott Pelley said sporting events, theaters, Jerome Powell said, I think those would be very difficult. I tend to agree. I don't even know if you could get all the people in, but college athletic budgets are now really on the block. And you're seeing the start of that where people are saying, we aren't, whatever we are getting in there, we aren't getting the big crowds and we're not getting that big revenue. Uh, The MAC canceled a whole bunch of Olympic sport championships, tennis, baseball, softball, soccer, lacrosse, things like that, field hockey. They're not going to have their championships. That's cost-saving. Akron last week dumped men's golf, women's tennis, and men's cross-country. A whole bunch of D3s are cutting stuff. Interesting debate started. uh, Our buddy uh, Ralph Russo, who covers college football for the Associated Press, kind of brought this up. The MAC also said they're not going to... All the schools agreed that they would no longer put their football team up in a hotel the night before home games. Obviously, road games, you got to stay at the hotel, but home games, you do not. And that kind of was a, 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 a topic of, is this even necessary to begin with? I thought it was kind of interesting. Mark Mangino, the coach at uh, Kansas, said he never did it. He, he, he just had his kids stay, never did that. A lot of other schools, obviously, this would be uh, I, I can't even imagine the fallout uh, of some of these coaches. If, God forbid, their students had to stay in their apartments the night before, this will be taken like we're making it first and 11. I mean, like the <laughs> sanctity of the game. This is the kind of cost saving that, I mean, these things are coming. Uh, if if you can only get 35,000 people into Bryant-Denny Stadium, you just lost a lot of money. And that's might be best case scenario. Um, so... Alabama maybe can do it, but can everybody? Pat, your thoughts on this? Because I know you were uh, you were fired up about it. Let's I hear, let's hear up. a fired up thoughts. forty. Yeah. Well, the thing that yeah it fired me up. Bruce Feldman, who I love, good friend of all of ours, uh, does a great job covering college football. But he had talked to some unnamed Mac coaches who were complaining about this, and I will tell those Mac coaches politely to shut up, read the room. Get a clue about what is going on in your conference and in the United States and perhaps swallow a bullet on the six nights when you have to ask your players to stay in student housing with the rest of the students and then show up and do their job the next day. I don't think it is asking too much, you myopic idiots, to have your people get a little bit of perspective here and to look and say, okay, Akron just cut half of their academics, like six of their degree programs. They just wiped out. Akron got rid of three of their sports. Bowling Green got rid of baseball. Everybody's cutting everything. And you're sitting there complaining because your guys can't stay in a hotel the night before a game so they can handle the tumult of 15,000 people in the stands watching your team play. You know, Akron can't get ready for Kent State if they don't have the focus in the hotel room. Please. My God. Now, yes, you want to extrapolate that to Alabama at home before they play LSU? Much crazier atmosphere. I still don't care. They can handle it. You are also, you're Alabama, your players, you're going to know where all of them live, all of them stay. You are going to be able to control the environment well enough for them. If you're worried about having your walk-through space and everything, well, that's why you built all the damn facilities to begin with, okay? You don't need the hotel ballroom. You take them over there, you walk them past your waterfall into the facility, and you do your walk-through there. You watch your film, whatever you need to do. And you deal with it. You deal with it because a lot of people are dealing with a lot worse and King football can make a concession or two. So, Pat, how do you feel about this? That's how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Just because, you know, we we don't all go, you know, (laughs) you don't all listen to this podcast for all all agree. (laughs) Now, in the micro with the Mac, certainly this is a time to not stay in the courtyard and Kent, you know, 
the, the night before your own home game. I get that. I'm certainly not going to argue that. But in the macro, like Pat and I, I have, you know, people who listen to podcasts have gone back and forth over the years on, you know, the, Pat is a, the money should be spread out to non-revenue programs. And I'm the guy who wants to hire six recruiting analysts to get football better. That is, <laughs> that is a philosophical divide that is very clear. Correct. And I am going to stay on the side of King football in this. Look, what is at stake for these games? Then when you start talking about that, the SEC schools and everything, and you get one knucklehead who goes out and, you know, like I look at it from the player perspective. When I was in school at Syracuse, the guys I knew on the team, their families would stay in their apartments the night before the games to save money for the families, and it would do that. But you have you have unlimited distractions coming. You got all your friends from growing up. You got your parents. You got all your cousins and everything. That is a dif- that is a difficult environment to manage. Now, in a pandemic, I get it. Like, I'm certainly not advocating right now in this moment for that. But I see the value of the hotel the night before the game. It is basically to protect your most valuable product. And your most valuable product is football. And the difference of eight hours sleep, controlled environment, Nothing going wrong, no temptation, uh, I think is worth what the investment is for the most part during non-pandemical times. Well, I I think that they should be able to handle it. I really do. Even in non-pandemic times, I would expect NFL my teams team, do it too, Pat. I know they do. I know. But pro teams, first of all, players have families, okay? And, you, you, you know, if you've got mom – being awakened or dad being awakened by a crying baby, that's a whole other deal. Okay. And maybe that's the case for some college players too. But all I know is this. First of all, also, we are dealing with a completely different budget level, theoretically, at least for the NFL. Okay. College, everybody should be able to make it work where your players can stay on campus be left alone, put in their earplugs, turn on their fan, whatever, and get their nice night's sleep and show up and play a game, a game the next day. Have you been to these college towns the night before games? I, like, I actually have, yes, many okay. times. They're, they're usually not quiet places. And, and in fact, you and I have been out a few nights in a few of these college towns. Yeah. Where well, the environment was not conducive to eight good hours of shut-eye. Uh, where the players live and where they sleep, it can be. Like you nope. said. Wrong. Yeah. They live in dorms. They live in these places where, like, there are they are teeming with Friday night. They live in dorms that are often very football centric facilities and they can keep everybody else away from them. And I would bet there would be a bit of peer pressure to keep them the hell quiet around so that our star freshman tight end can get his eight hours of sleep. What if they had poisoned pizzas delivered to their room? Yeah, and then that's got what I'm talking poisoning. about. OK, there's that's a whole other <laughs> level of threat. I will acknowledge that, you know, right now that after that. That that Jordan story. There are coaches in the SEC who are saying we need to bring our own pizza oven on the road because we cannot trust the pizza. Get the ops guy on the phone. Look, yeah, we can't be we can we cannot be ordering in the Chick Fil A in Athens, Georgia. We need our own Chick Fil A. They'll have their own chef. Uh, They may already remember now. And and this is not. I mean, the the little brown jug, the great trophy between Michigan and Minnesota began. Because Michigan didn't want to have Minnesota give them water during the game because they thought they would poison it. Yeah. (laughs) And so they brought their little jug. That's how it started. So this is a longstanding tradition. (laughs) Don't trust the other guys. Uh, But home games. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of on the side of the football. I don't. I mean, they probably get a good deal in the rooms. Uh, It's it's a it's 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 tough being these these guys. It's not normal. Too easy to be woken up, harassed. I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see it as a big problem. Uh, uh, let's I, slash I, our budget left, right, and center. But oh, football! You need your hotel these, room. Okay. Listen, Great. these other sports—they're just—they should be slashing them to pump up some other academic thing. I mean, look at—it is patently absurd that sports are attached to universities. We know this. Patently absurd. Mm-hmm. It's really absurd if nobody even cares about the sport. <laughs> no, but that's the way it used to be for all the sports. Nobody cared about any of them. Then they figured no, out how much money they could fo- When was this? They cared about football in 1870. To a degree, a little bit. <laughs> Are we going to have an 1870 <clears throat> football popularity argument? We might. We might. I I just think that, you know, whatever. I, I can't get outraged, Pat. I love your rant, though. Good rant. It was a great rant. 
great rant, rant and someone's nodding. I'm just poor, not it. The poor Mac yeah. coaches out there having to not spend the night at the downtown hotel before they play Kent an State. Akron golf team. I mean, Cut really? golf and get your points. <laughs> golf <laughs> team at University of Akron. Like, all right. Like what? Why University of Akron has cut, like you said, six colleges. Yeah, they're no longer offering degrees and things. They should have cut more than the damn golf team. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. Okay, let's go back. I want to dial this back because you were a guy that at least liked the fact that students could get scholarships to school to further their education by having these sports. Now, ah, no, cut the I teams wasn't. And go stay at the hotels. I wasn't. Yeah, I, when no. I was a student, you said there was for I more, said more opportunities for the students. I, I'm not in favor of it. I, I <laughs> as a student, I said, why does someone running track get a scholarship, while some kid who's over in the polymer science department doesn't? Who no, cares? They can I would cover the track team. I covered and, the, the the cross country team. I was the only reporter. <laughs> Often, no, by the way. Those are the same people, the polymer science people and the track people, because there's a lot of good students in those sports. I know they are. Not. That's great. That's great. A lot of good yeah. students. I, yeah. There was no value to the track team. I guess well, we need to run from something. I mean, if you're going to be really good at it, but, you know, I just, eh, whatever. All right, look, uh, here's an interesting angle I have not heard addressed, but this could have a very interesting impact on college football. High school football. Everyone's talking the NFL come back and high school football come uh, college football. Come, what about high school football? Because there's no senior year, no, no 2020 season that grossly affects recruiting. We got no idea what's going on. We already have, you know, none of these spring camps. You don't have these talent camps. We don't know about seven on seven, how widespread it'll be. Maybe you do it some places, all of these travel, my kids play travel sports and they're trying to organize it. Who knows? Tampa Bay times had a report this week about high school football. Basically, it's in limbo. No one knows. I mean, that's Tampa. The Dallas Morning News had a huge piece on it. The Texas UIL, which runs high school sports in the state, and this is the most schools, high school football teams, quote, there's still too much unknown and it's too premature to discuss the 2020 season at this point. That's fine. Kids don't have to start showing up till August, but a member of the UIL Medical Advisory Committee told the news it's just impossible to give any kind of prediction. The football season has not even been a conversation in the last two meetings. We haven't talked about any individual sports. This is about whether or not we even get back, get to go back to school, much less play sports. That's Texas. Now, on the flip side, other states are full bore ahead. I know Tennessee and some others are saying we're going. I don't know, right? I'm not making a prediction. I'm not making a judgment on this. But what happens if there's no high school football in parts of the country? And how is that? Uh, it would seem like there's going to be a huge bunch of recruiting misses. Besides, besides, I feel bad for all the kids trying to play high school sports. But for our purposes, recruiting becomes a lot bigger of a crap shot. And I would think there'll be way more misses for some schools and way more hits for others. Because you're basically going off of junior year tape and that's it and you're going to be bringing kids in almost 20 months after their last high school game that they played i, I just think this is a kind of a a fascinating thing I, I i doubt we will have high school football in every single community in the country uh this fall boy if you think about it the the massive logistical challenges that we're going to have at colleges which most of which have medical schools hospitals excellent training staffs or well-staffed training staffs, smart educators, all that stuff going for them. You take that, uh, you know, I don't know, Dallas Skyline High School and try to implement testing and things like that there. Can they afford it? Do they have the people to do it? This is a whole other level when you get down to that roots of, of trying to have safe opening of schools and safe playing of sports. And I think that it's going to be really difficult. And yeah, from a logistic uh, recruiting standpoint, I mean... I've always thought that maybe it's a good thing to really scrutinize the game tape and worry a little bit less about what somebody does in shorts and a T-shirt in a spring camp. But the one advantage to those spring camps is that you're seeing good on good, best on best go against each other. You, you're, th there's no doubt there's going to be more recruiting misses, I think, and more guys that will be end up being under-recruited 
who, who didn't develop or didn't get that chance to blow up. And so, you know, hey, could be great news for the Conference USA schools, the MAC schools, the Sunbelt schools, that you're going to get guys that were that will become great players if they stay at your school uh, that maybe otherwise, if they had had a big spring, could have been up, upgraded to a Power 5 level. Well, they'll they'll hold out because they'll want to stay in hotels the night before games. So oh, there you go. <laughs> it's going to be there a key, key differentiator in the uh, in the recruiting process. I mean, no high school football would be bad for America, right? Like you you go to these you know, you, you we drive through these towns on Friday nights when we're going to when we're going to different games and you see the lines of cars parked up on the sideline. I think about driving to College Station from Houston on a Friday to go cover a game at Texas A and M on a Saturday, and these are the heartbeats of communities. Friday night lights became a great book and then a very popular TV series because it's true. The Friday night lights are the beacons of communities and not only in Texas, but in Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, like California, all these places. And it's a unifier. It's homecoming. It's, you know, where the cheerleaders perform. It's where the band performs. I mean, the, the, the notion of not having high school football is, is, in terms of like the culture of America and the culture of American high schools is a huge blow just because there is no greater unifier of a school than high school football. And so, um, you know, the recruiting reverberations would obviously be uh, would obviously be huge. um, But I really just think culturally, what a what what a blow. Well, the blow would be incredible. For these communities, I mean, it's this. It's it's the thing. I remember flying over the state of Iowa once on a Friday night. I was heading to a Nebraska football game, and it was a perfectly clear night. I remember just looking down on Iowa, and you could just see, you know, there's the little town, and you could see the football lights. Mm-hmm. That stadium. And then you go in, and there's you know, then there's the big expanse of uh, of cornfields or whatever, and then there's another town. There's the lights on, and it's just like. That's what they're doing tonight in Iowa. Um, so I, it would be devastating. I just wonder, for college football purposes, how do you recruit? And does it mean like, you know, Iowa's taking the wrong guys, but somebody else might be taking the right guys? I mean, it just becomes totally crazy in trying to re- do the recruiting. Recruiting rankings are already, like, Rivals still only has 18 five-stars. They're holding back. That Some of the other sites just keep... They have a million five stars, a million four stars. They're they're not sure, right? So they're whole, which I appreciate, but it's like, how the heck do you figure that out? So I, it's it's crazy. But when I saw Texas was like, yeah, we aren't even discussing it. We're trying to get the kids into school. Like, holy cow! All right, this isn't you know Vermont. Like, this is yeah. important. Texas and, would be the one state to still have football, even if it was online classes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this is high school football, Texas. But as Pat said, how do you where do you come up with the money if you're a high yeah. school school district yeah. to Try test to a test. million kids? The yeah. NFL can do it. Sure. Jerry Jones can make sure the Cowboys are tested and the University of Texas can make sure the Longhorns are tex- tested. But, you know, some of these towns are very small schools and they may not have. And do you have to do it? The, the virus may not. I mean, some of these West Texas towns, no yeah. virus out there. They social distance every day. <laughs> this is this is their thing. Not hard to social distance in West Texas. So a little crazy. All right. Let me move on to this provocative tweet like this. Quincy Avery. Quincy Avery is a former college quarterback, but he's basically the coach, the head of QB takeover. He is a highly regarded quarterback coach for young prospects, high school, college players. His uh, protégés include Deshaun Watson, Dwayne Haskins, a bunch of others. Uh, sends out a tweet. Uh, I think he's in Atlanta, right, Pete? Yep, Quincy's it's in out Atlanta. of Atlanta. Quincy Avery. This is his tweet. I know a lot of college players follow me. If there was ever a time to get paid to play, now would be the time. So, I don't know if he's recommending they call him for some advice or not. But is this a time where if you're a quarterback at one of these schools, you could sit there and say either collectively you could all get together to demand pay, although I don't know how that would work. Or you could go, listen, coach, you're going to have to sweeten the pie. Uh, I'm going to need a little something on the side. Uh, I don't know. What was Quincy Avery talking about, Pete? Because we know college athletes do not get paid ever. 
Yes. And they're in the process of starting to get some sort of pay. But I just do think, again, this is like the ultimate fantasy land pod topic right now. You have heard over the years that it was the UNLV, one of the UNLV Final Fours in the early 90s, and then the Wisconsin Final Four five or six years ago, where players were thinking about holding a strike for holding out. Now, it would be inopportune to do it now because of the COVID situation, but the players have never had more power. The power of King football has never been more apparent than right now. And if the players who are likely going to be shipped onto moderately empty campuses, perhaps quarantine, and then played in front of no fans, if the players basically looked at this risk and said, wait a minute, this is like we're almost professionals, which they are, and we all know they are. They are the very important cogs in a billion-dollar business. I think there has never been a time where they have more leverage, when their value has been more apparent, where they could they could leverage and ask for more. The word inopportune was a remarkable understatement, in my opinion. It would be the most crass, poorly received using a pandemic as leverage move, and it would not go well. I am not unsympathetic to their plight, but just as if, as people have pointed out, that if baseball can't get a season going because the two sides are apart on money during a pandemic, when America really, really would like some sports, uh, the same would go here, I think, rather emphatically that this would not go over well if we if we get a football season like, ah, we're not going to play because we need some money. The, as you pointed out, look, the name, image, and likeness stuff is coming. I'll be, hey, I'll be, I'm real sorry if you are a 2020, if you are Trevor Lawrence and you can't cash in yet, but if you pull a sit-down strike in the midst of this, uh, there's not going to be a lot of sympathy out there for you. What if it's the under-the-table bit? Well, if it's under the table, okay. <laughs> if you if you put your hand out and you get it and you get away with it, then you get away with it. But then again, we run into that's where we run into the NCAA rules that are agreed upon by 130 different football playing institutions. Players would never get organized this quickly, so there's no way this is happening. But it would be. I agree. It is a little bit crass, but I mean, this is America. That's what we do. Can we read the room a little bit? People are dying. What people room? are in the hospital. People are all unemployed and universities are slashing budgets everywhere. I need money. I need money. I agree with all of that, yeah. but this is still America and that's what they do. And in the end, everyone forgives them because they throw a touchdown pass. Is it crass to ask them to play on a potentially empty campus in front of no fans yeah. and taking a risk every time they're out there? You know, well, like like large gatherings, et cetera. That, yeah. That's sort of the counter. I get the crass and I get the inopportune and this is not going to happen. But I do think there there is certainly there's an aspect of what's going to be asked of them that is somewhat crass at this. The, the student athletes. Well, I agree. And that's why, look, if there if there aren't students on campus, I don't think I don't think in good conscience you can ask, say, say, well, you know, forget it. You guys don't count. You go entertain us. No, I don't think you can do that. Yeah, but fans. Well, the only reason this would be considered the room would not approve of this is because it's taking something that the fans want. That's it. If if you could be just you could be completely crass if you're giving the public what they want. You just yeah. can't be crass and saying, hey, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't a good deal. Like we debated the, the Blake Stell thing last week of the Tampa Bay uh, Devil Rays. Right. As a business proposition, he's saying, I'm not going to play this year for $2.6 million. Now, he, inartic he was inarticulate in his, in his statement. I don't really care about Blake Snell, so I'm not dying on this hill. But I'm going to make $2.6 million this year and risk my the rest of my career where I can make $75 million. <laughs> I mean, well, you sit out. I mean, I there's going to be teachers that sit out. Believe me. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, everyone's like, open school again. Well, if you're a third grade teacher and they're really in any way to social distance a bunch of eight-year-olds or however old they are, you're going to be like, this job ain't worth it. I'm sitting for a year. And what if you're, you're over 65? Yeah, exactly. Sure. What do you do if you're over 65? What if you're, you got uh, compromised immune? What if you're yeah. 58? Yeah. Just, I mean, that's going to happen. So it's, it's crass and they're awful. I don't know. I mean, anyway, this isn't going to happen, but provocative tweet. Thank you, Quincy Avery. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> your work with Deshaun Watson was stellar, as was your Twitter game this week. All right. Um, People's Court. Uh, mm. We're going to do a People's Court. Uh, this is more of a an employer 
arbitration system. We're more of an arbitrator this week. I don't know if there's a legal case here, but I am not up on South Korean law. <laughs> okay. good, good thing, Dan, I am actually. I've been studying it in the native language during the pandemic. I was. I did live in South Korea for the Olympics for about a month, and I was not arrested at any point. <laughs> Uh, detained or questioned. So I, I follow whatever laws they have there. I did seemingly follow them. Or if so you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, you could claim a law degree. Yeah, that could be. I could do that. One of South Korea's top uh, soccer teams uh, apologized this week for causing what is uh, deep concern, unquote, after being accused of, well, Shall we say, this is a little bit of a dicey topic. Let's warn the viewers a little <laughs> okay. bit. So they have an empty stadium. And they decided to fill the empty mm. stadium with fake fans uh, to try to create some atmosphere. But it turns out some of the fans were inflated dolls. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dolls, Dan? Yeah. Inflated dolls. Please inflated dolls. To the listeners. Female, uh, like Cabbage Patch Kids representing. <laughs> yeah, it's in a bunch of inflated mates for inside this soccer stadium or something. I don't know. Uh, the FC Seoul insisted that the quote unquote mannequins had no connection to what you're thinking. Mm. However, meticulous viewers amongst the <laughs> fan base, of course, <laughs> notice the, the viewers. No, those, they noticed those FC uh, logo. message boards are, are going to turn in NCA violations at Auburn this year. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fans watching at home noticed a certain logo on the inflated dolls that uh, was of a toy manufacturer that is not just for toys, traditional <laughs> toys. Trying my best here. Uh, now, you know. You got. I love that because you got to admit that you know what the logo looks like. I <laughs> would not know what the logo of a South Korean uh, toy manufacturer looks like, but they're meticulous viewers there in, in Korea. Uh, congratulations. So the person that uh, came up with this idea and, and put the inflatomates in there, should they be a raise or should they be fired? <laughs> I think that's really the question I have to ask you to employment, uh, labor lawyers, <laughs> labor judges. Yes. Justice 40, please. You can start. Yeah. Um, I think I got to fire the guy. I'm afraid or woman, whoever it may be. First of all, yes, you're, you're asking for trouble when you put the, uh, sex dolls in the stands there. But secondly, <laughs> what, like, what were they trying to accomplish anyway? Like what did, you know, Smithers in accounting or in marketing says, "Hey, you know, we 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 can't we can't have an empty stadium. We got to put no. You, yes, you can. Everybody's got an empty stadium, so it's not like you're going to look bad because your stadium's empty. They're all empty. <laughs> I, I just don't. I'm not sure what the objective was there to make the players feel a little more pat. Yeah. The best part to me is the mannequins were wearing face masks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were auditioning for that strip club in Omaha that we talked about Maybe. last week. What is it like Maybe. if there's an air leak, like the, it starts deflating? You don't want that. <laughs> Someone had to pump this thing up. I, yeah. I don't know what they were doing. And this is, I don't no, know. Dan, give the guy a raise. I, I didn't even know FC Soul existed before this stunt. <laughs> All right. I've never heard of FC Soul. And here we are in a college football podcast, half a world, multiple continents away discussing the marketing genius. Bill Veek would hire that guy immediately and made him a vice president. All right, he which, is bringing glory to FC Gold. I'm going to go on YouTube TV and try to watch the next FC Soul match. If I watch the Bungle Disa this week, why not FC Soul? It's all the same. Yeah, maybe. Well, all right. Which college football program would have been most likely to have made this blunder slash genius decision? Liberty. If, <laughs> <laughs> nice call there. <laughs> and under direction from the head coach or not? Uh, yeah, just check his texts. <laughs> uh, I'm just ending it right there. There's no need. <laughs> no need to go further. All right. We got another people's court. We're busy. There's a lot of crime out there. A second people's court I have to do. This one's more criminal and, and a little more closer to home. I think we have a little more expertise on this. <laughs> People are wearing masks, which I think is, you know, you can walk into these stores and you look like a stick-up man. I went into a liquor store in Detroit wearing a mask the first time. I, I was like, 
two months ago, I would have got a Smith and Wesson to the forehead <laughs> two steps in. But instead, the guy greeted me happily <laughs> while wearing his own mask. In a, here, though, in uh, Louisa, Virginia, two individuals stole from a gas station convenience store, not wearing masks, but with a hollowed out watermelon on their heads. <laughs> Come on, man. They hollowed out a watermelon to hide their identity and then each put one on their head. The police arrested Tom. Uh, no, not this is the chief, Tom Lear. He wasn't arrested. They arrested Justin Rogers, a 20 year old. He was booked for misdemeanor larceny of alcohol, possession of alcohol by an underage person, and felony pro prohibition of wearing a mask in public. I guess the watermelon was the mask. Yeah. Both individuals are caught on the surveillance store, and they drove away uh, in a 2006 Toyota Tacoma. The larceny suspects both cut holes out of the watermelon for their eyes. <laughs> the other guy is on the lamb. Police are still looking for the other person. They have asked help from the pe from the public in identifying the other melon-equipped thief. Great line. <laughs> melon-equipped. Uh, it's unclear what they made off with besides alcohol or why they were allowed in this store. Louise, if you got any info, call the Louisa Police Department. Yeah. Is this a real man of genius? Or is this just stupid? I understand. You need some booze. You're 20. Kind of sucks. This is the law. You got to wait till you're 21, but it's a pandemic. <laughs> free, or, free or should they get charged, Pat? What do you think? Oh, I know. I, you know what? I this, I hope the one guy that's on the lamb stays on the lamb and gets away with it. Just be, just for the the sheer audacity of the, the watermelon mask. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's going to differentiate for you from everybody else out there wearing a mask. Uh, and... You know, if that's what you got sitting around at home, if you don't have the N95 mask, uh, you make do with what you can do. So ingenuity, mother of invention, and uh, you put the watermelon on your head. I, I do have to say, like, watermelons really aren't in good season right now. It might be hard to hollow them out, you know, and make a good mask out of one. But but good for our uh, our young thieves hoodlums for trying. So uh, whoever... Whoever's still on the lamb, I hope you're still out there. Maybe you can unite with the Guntown Kangaroo and live off the land for a while. See, I would think they could learn from our friends, the uh, the beer bandits that we've talked about mm -hmm. over the years on the podcast, who've gone into gas stations and gallantly dashed away with large quantities of beer. If you roll in wearing a watermelon during a pandemic, you're just drawing more attention to yourself. <laughs> They're giving you an opportunity. The government is telling you you can go into a gas station, wear a mask and disguise yourself. So, like, why wear, like, a costume? You can just cover your face. You can put on sunglasses. You can put on a hat. No one's going to recognize you. The watermelon, that's just stupid. Like, it's just a really dumb time to wear a watermelon on your head to, to steal from a Sheets. I went on the Facebook page of the Louisa uh, Police Department. I was really... I was really hoping they were like, we could judge them by the booze that they stole. Because that would be one key detail, I think, before Pat or I and the People's <laughs> Court could say. Like, were they getting boons or like, you know, are they getting like daiquiri mix or were they like just, just they just need a, you know, a 12, a 12 pack of Bud Light. I mean, I, I think I think before I know that I can't judge. But right now I'm leaning towards locking them up for sheer stupidity. You also could have taken the watermelon and made like Pruno, like the prison booze, right, that they make. <laughs> How do you know about so, prison booze? Wait a minute. I know things. I know <laughs> things. <laughs> you drink and you know things. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I'm normally in favor of it, but seems like there's a better solution than stuffing your face into half a watermelon. <laughs> And then why are you parking your Tacoma right there? Like, just not, not well thought out. They went through a lot of effort. Well, they stole the Tacoma, according to the story. At least they lifted Tacoma. Oh. So, you know. Oh, oh was a, wait, they stole a car so they could sneak in to steal boot? All right, now. They stole the car to steal the liquor to, to wear watermelons on their heads. These Dude, guys are masterminds, out, man. Just wait outside the 7-Eleven and ask old dudes and say, I'll buy your beer if you buy mine. That's what worked for me back then. Uh, it worked for me, too. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Get a homeless guy and send him in with 20 bucks. <laughs> this is too easy. What are these kids doing these days? Look, Dan just described my junior in high school in a yeah. nutshell right there. <laughs> a little creativity, man. A little credit for creativity. And plus, one, guy, one guy's smart enough to still be on the lamb. There's always a guy waiting for a bus on Dorchester Avenue willing to make that, that little deal. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% worked every time.
So I don't know what you're doing with your watermelons. It's kids today. I say lock them up for stupidity. <laughs> wow. There you go. I'm, I'm outraged. Yeah. Well, I can empathize with, you know, needing a drink and stealing some booze, but you don't need to steal a car. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> steal a little bit of there. Stay on the All run, right. young man. Stay on the run. <laughs> Clearly, this podcast has run out of gas. We'll be back Thursday with more, though. Plenty going on. And uh, we will talk to you then. Oh, share us. I got to do my uh, uh, things I'm supposed to do. Share us on social media and leave uh, reviews if they're five stars. And tell your friends about us. So appreciate it. And when there's news of the weird that hits our wheelhouse, tweet at us relentlessly. Yes, yes. Thank you very much, all of you fans or enemies of Kentucky cheerleading. Thank you for <laughs> keeping us up to date on Panty Gate. <laughs> Pantless Gate, really. Pantless, yeah. Panty Less Gate. I don't know what it is. Anyway, take care. Stay safe. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.